Good morning, Chicagoland Bible Fellowship Church. It is good to see you all in person. Amen. All right. All right. Give me a chance to get situated up here. And as I do this, I'll ask that you stand to your feet out of respect for the word of God, if you're able. And as usual, I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text reads as follows. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And they followed Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your grace. Lord, I'm always in awe of it your mercy that you pour out new on us every single day. Lord God, I pray right now that you would go before me, that you would prepare the way that you would speak through your servant with power, conviction, and clarity. May you touch the hearts of your people. May you do what I cannot do. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. The title of today's message is Know your worth and embrace your call. Know your worth and embrace your call. And as I was doing my, my study, I stumbled across a story about a lady from France. She was in the process of selling her house and she had a bunch of items um, that she wanted to get rid of as well. And she needed to get an understanding of what their value was. So she called in an appraiser. The appraiser shows up and immediately this painting that was hanging in her kitchen over her hot plate caught his eye. As he examined the painting, he learned that that painting was very famous. The, the title of that painting, it was one in a particular series of paintings and this one was called Christ Mocked. This is a true story. They took this painting to auction and guess how much that painting sold for? $26.8 million. This painting that hung on the wall of this lady's kitchen right above her hot plate. She had no idea what that painting was worth. $26.8 million that painting sold for. And she almost missed out had it not been for that appraisal. Some of you all are sitting here this morning in your respective places and you don't know your worth. You have no idea what you're worth, and um, for various reasons, that may be that you kind of suffer from a poor self-image, sometimes low self-esteem. And it could be for a number of reasons. It could be because people have spoken negative words into your life. I remember one of my family members saying to one of the young ladies in our, in our family, she said, you're fat. You need to stop eating. You're stupid. You know, all these negative words, and I cringed every time I heard that because this person had no idea what she was doing to this young lady's self-image. I remember being told that I would amount to nothing, that I would turn out to be just like my father, 
to understand the negative impact of that statement, you have to have a, a picture of who my father was. He spent two decades in prison for murder. Um, he did a bunch of bad stuff. He was a bad man. So imagine this being told and to me at 12 years old and how that affected my self-image. Sometimes your image, your, your self-worth, or your self-esteem is the value that you place on yourself. Sometimes that's impacted by your background. If you're from the West Side, you're probably born with a poor self-image. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Josh, strike that from the record. I'm just kidding. But if I could be real with you all this morning, I tell you, growing up in Cabrini Green uh, for many years was a sense of embarrassment for me because Cabrini had a bad reputation. And when people found out that you were from Cabrini, uh, three things would happen. One of these three things, they would either withdraw from you. Sometimes the ladies would clutch their purses a little bit tighter when you came around, right? Or you get the pity, I'm so sorry that, that you, you're from that neighborhood and you had to go through all those things. But as I began to mature, I understood that God is sovereign that he purposed for me to grow up in that, that particular neighborhood at that time. And God used all the adversity that, that we went through to mold and shape me into the person that I am today. I got survival skills that some of you all don't have. See, some of you all don't know what it's like to open up the refrigerator and only see a big fat block of government cheese and a few slices of bread on the top of that refrigerator. And here's the problem. You can't make your grilled cheese sandwich the traditional way because the gas doesn't work. What do you do? Most of y'all looking befuddled right now. But see, when you're from the hood, you know how to be creative. So what you do is you take that iron, you plug that iron into the wall, you turn that iron up on high, you take that bread and that cheese, you cut you a nice fat chunk of that government cheese and you slap that together. Then when that, that iron gets heated up, you press that iron down on that slice of bread and that cheese just till it begin to toast the bread and melt. Then you flip it over and repeat the process on the other side. And I got to tell you this morning that you haven't lived until you had a government grilled cheese sandwich that you made with a hot iron. Most people don't know that. I had to write a book. I got a whole bunch of different things that I can tell you survival skills. And you only learn that from growing up in the hood. Some of you all are suffering because of you're watching uh, uh, the media and, and all these different videos and things that they parade in front of us about what beauty is, what handsome is, what success is. And they put these people out in front of us and we try to be like them. The men are parading around and they got all these muscles and they, they, they looking real good. But guess what? That person is fake. They juiced up on steroids and other drugs that are gonna wreak havoc on their bodies in the years to come. Now the ladies, y'all not, not that much better because y'all like transformers. Y'all gotta go through a whole process to get ready for the day. You gotta put your hair piece on. You gotta put your makeup on. You gotta put your lashes. And my mom had lashes, but it wasn't the same lashes that they have today. The lashes now are like hands on their on they eyes. These things are long. They gotta go through, they gotta put their outfit on, they gotta put the nails on, they gotta go through this whole transformation, all with the effort of trying to be who the world says that they should be. 
I'm here to tell you, and I'm gonna give you the message right here, right here, and you can go to sleep. You can walk out the door, you can turn your Zoom, <laughs> but you could leave the Zoom right now. I'm gonna give you the message early. Normally you save that to, to the end, but I'm gonna give it to you early right now. If you are attaching your self-worth, your self-image to anything but Christ, you are missing the mark. You're gonna be like the hamster running on the wheel, going nowhere. Because the reality is, is that you're gonna get, if it's your appearance that you're attaching it to in terms of your self-worth, guess what? You're gonna get older, you're gonna mature. Your hair is gonna thin out, you're gonna gain some pounds. You're, not, you're gonna get crow's feet. You're gonna get wrinkles. You're gonna get all these things that are gonna begin to, to happen and you won't be what you once was in your heyday, so to speak. If you're attaching it to material things, that's gonna break down. That car, that house is gonna break down. It's gonna wear and tear. It's gonna, gonna, gonna render its head at some point and those items are gonna deteriorate. If you're attaching it to anything but Christ, you're doomed, as my good friend Pete Morrison would say. So this morning, we want to look at an individual just like you and I that wrestled with his self-image, that wrestled with his self-esteem, and it almost cost him in terms of experience the opportunity to embrace his call, and that is Moses. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Exodus chapter 3 is where we pick up. We all know the story. Exodus chapter 3, God is having this conversation with Moses, and he's telling Moses, um, that he's heard the cry of his people. Um, the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt, and the Lord said, I've heard their cry under the heavy, oppressive hand of the Egyptian. Now he was calling Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And I'll pick up at verse 10, and the text reads as follows. Therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I'm going to stop right there for a moment. I want you to jot this down. It's important that you understand who you are. Let me rephrase that question. Turn to the person next to you and ask him, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Well, let me tell you, because Moses needed to hear this as well. <laughs> In Genesis 1.27, it says that, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created man. And I got to read this last portion of this, male and female. He created them, but that's a message for another day. So God created man in his own image. We are created in the image of God. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink in. We are created in the image of God. We have the Lord's DNA running through our veins. I don't think y'all get it. <laughs> it's one thing to say that I'm related to President Obama. It's another thing to say that I'm related to Michael Jordan, one of the greatest, the greatest basketball player ever. It's a whole nother thing to say that I am a son and a daughter of the living God. I have the, I was created in his image. He held the blueprint. 
And when you understand the art world, the antique world, um, this is how things are appraised. They look at how many of that item actually is in existence will determine its value. It's rare. Guess what? You are a masterpiece. You are rare. There will never be another Karen Rackett. There will never be, never be another Lisa Morrison. You are unique. You are God's masterpiece. There will never be another one of you. And guess what? God molded and shaped you. The scriptures tell us that he formed and shaped you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Flaws and all. Flaws and all. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. The text goes on to read, he had, this is God answers Moses. He said, I will certainly be with you. This is verse 12. And this will be the sign that you, that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. I wanna, I wanna pause there for a moment. We gotta understand that God is always with us. You're never alone in the midst of this thing, in your journey, whatever God has called you to. He's not calling you to do it on your own. He's going to be right there with you. I want to share another tale from the hood with y'all. Another tale from the hood. There was this bully in my neighborhood called, named Lawrence, Lil Lawrence. Lil, Lil Lawrence used to wreak havoc on us. He would beat us up for no reason at all. I got a scar in the back of my head because the little Lawrence did that to me. And here's what happened. After he put that scar in my head, my mother said to me, she said, Brandon, um, I'm gonna tell you this. And she called me Brandon, she called me Brando. Brandon, I'm gonna tell you this. If you let that guy put his hands on you again, you're gonna have to deal with me. What I came to realize that little Lawrence had a psychological advantage over me. He had a big brother that was five or six years older than us named Gilbert. We called him G-Ball. And every time we were about to fight, G-Ball was always standing there. And so I was always thinking in my head like G-Ball was going to jump in and, and, and do something to me if I was beginning to get the best of little Lawrence. So he held that over us for years. Until this day, we were sitting on the, in the backyard and we had these fire escapes, um, the back porches and the fire escapes that kind of came down. So we climbed down the fire escape. Lawrence came over and I said, man, I don't want no trouble today. I'm trying to do everything I can to, to get out of this fight with this guy. G-Ball was standing on the porch. And so I'm looking at Lawrence and I'm looking at G-Ball. And I'm thinking about what my mom said. And if you ever had a whooping by Cheryl Savage, whoo, you do not want that. Trust me, y'all saw the nice lady that sat here in church. When she gave you the business, she gave you the business. So I'm thinking about that in my head. And I'm like, I'm looking at Lawrence. I'm looking at G-Ball. I'm looking at Lawrence and I'm looking at G-Ball and something happened. My cousin Randy walked out on our balcony, our back porch. So now I'm looking at Randy and Randy stood there like this. So I'm looking at Randy and I'm looking at G-Ball. I looked at Lawrence and said, let's get it on. And I put a whooping on him like you ain't never seen before. 
He never bothered me again after that day. I'm telling you to tell you that think about us looking at Christ in the midst of we're facing the world, we're facing our call and it looks overwhelming. And you say, man, what am I going to do? Just keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus and he going to give you the confidence, the courage to do what you got to do to carry out the call. God doesn't call you to something and get, not give you what you need. And we'll see this in the text as he dialogues with Moses, as Moses begins to make all these different excuses. You got to know that the Lord is always with you. He gives us that confidence. It's not self-confidence. It's Christ's confidence. It's confidence in him. And when you walk in that, boy, you got it. <laughs> we can go home right now, Pastor. That's it. I can start singing right now. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Look, Pastor, like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> Let's go on. Let's go on. Verse 13 says, Moses asked God, he said, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. They asked me what it, they asked me, they asked me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Moses didn't understand who God was. We need to understand who God is. Moses, then the Lord tells Moses, he said, this is what, this is what I want you to tell him, Moses. God replies to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. In the Hebrew, that translates to be, to be. God was saying that I'm it. I'm the true God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is how I am to be known in all generations. This is, what, this is what he needed to understand. Moses needed to understand that, that we serve a God that we're connected to that's almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He's all that in, bag, in a bag of chips. <laughs> all right, that's the God that we're connected to. Moses didn't understand that. Moses didn't understand he was more worried about how he was going to be received. We must understand who God is, the power that he possesses. That gives us confidence. That builds up our self-image because our confidence isn't in us. It's in who he is. The text goes on to read as the Lord. I'm going to actually drop down to, verse, uh, to chapter 4 because what happens is Moses... Um, the Lord gives Moses instructions as he's to go to the elders, give them this plan, then they're to go to Pharaoh, and he walks him through this whole process of what to do. So we're going to jump over to chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Moses answered after the Lord has said all these things to him. He said, the Lord, Moses answered, chapter 4, verse 1, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me? But say the Lord did not appear to you. You got to understand that you can't be worried about public reception. You cannot be worried about public reception. You will never have 100% support. There are always going to be haters. When God calls you to do something, it can't be based on how people receive you. If you're walking in your calling, you can't get you can't be concerned about that. You can't be concerned about what other folks think. And so the Lord, the Lord told, told Moses, he said, check this out. He showed Moses how his power. 
And for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of condense this and just kind of summarize what happened. He told Moses, he said, take that staff, Moses, that you got, throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake, right? He tells him, pick it up, Moses. It turns back into a staff. He says, hey, Moses, put your hand in your cloak. Moses sticks his hand in that, brings it out. It's diseased, white, just like a leper's hand. Put it back in, Moses. Bring it back out. His hand is back to normal. God is showing him his, his power. He then tells him, said, man, hey, listen, you're going to take some water from the Nile. You're going to pour it on the ground. It's going to turn into blood. God is saying, I'm going to show you my power. This is what you're going to present to those people. And they eventually will let my people go. Guess what? God is kind of doing that with us. He's doing that with us. You say, man, God isn't performing no miracles in my life in front of men. Yes, he is. Yes, he is, because in Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. You should be a light in this dark world. You should be light. There should be something different about you. People say they, you know, that's, that's something people ask me all the time. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm all of that. But people ask, well, what, what church you go to go to? How do you know I go to church? I said nothing about church. How do you assume that, that I go to church? It was like, people should see something different about you. He said, let your light shine so, especially, it's easy in this dark world right now to stand out when you're walking with Jesus. It's so pitiful out here right now. It's crazy. And so God is expecting us to shine our lights so they could see uh, um, the good works that we do. They can see the fruit that we're bearing in our lives, and that'll be a testimony to who God is as he's working through your life and you're walking with him. Moses goes on. He continues to make excuses. The text goes on to read in verse 10. It says, but Moses replied, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently. Since you have been speaking to me, I've been stuttering is what he's saying. Because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. Moses was fo focusing on his speech impediment, his weaknesses. You know, God, uh, Paul talked about this. Paul said his power is made perfect in weakness. And I think about when I thought about this text, and I'm going to apologize to Darius later. I'm apologize to Darius because I didn't get his permission um, <laughs> to share this. But Darius has a speech impediment. But Darius is a financial wizard. That dude is sharp as a tack. He knows the word backwards and forwards. What I'm telling you, on his job, this dude gets bonuses. He get real big bonuses. He probably looking like, hey, man, what you doing? He gives bonuses and recognition, plaques and awards because of his performance for the EPA. The dude is bad. I'm telling you this because he did not let his speech impediment hinder him in terms of walking and his calling. He didn't let it stop him. A lot of us are focusing on our weaknesses and we letting that stop us in terms of being a blessing to the kingdom and being obedient to walk in the calling that the Lord has put before us. And guess what? You have a specific call, flaws and all. 
You, you think that catches God by surprise? That you got a, a speech impediment or some other issue? And we focusing it on that. We're spending our time, spinning our wheels, trying to fix that. You know, and I, and I, I say this to say, it's nothing wrong with getting healthy if you want to work out and get some muscles and everything. You want to do that. You want to do, do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it becomes, you become uh, um, just infatuated with it to where it's like, man, you go into the extreme and this becomes your purpose. No, whether you lose another pound, guess what? That doesn't change how God sees you. <laughs> you still valuable to God. Fat, skinny, tall, short. Now I got to be lying if I, I say I didn't wish I was a, a few inches taller a little bit faster, I might be in the major leagues. <laughs> I might would have made it, but that wasn't my calling. So I can't, I can't focus on that. Like, Lord, why you didn't do that? And I'd be lying if I tell you, I, I'd like a little bit more hair in the wintertime. Like, here it gets cold. That's, this is where I'm at. This is the season that I'm in. I had my time with my Afro. Now it is what it is. I can't focus on that. God, you think God cannot use me because I'm bald-headed? Because <laughs> you're short? There's something, some kind of flaw. All of us struggle with that. And we sit and we, we spend all our time spinning our wheels trying to be who we think the world uh, uh, says we should be. And that's not the way we should be looking at things. Moses was focusing on his weakness in regards to his speech impediment. The Lord tells Moses, I like, I like what he said to him. The Lord told him, he said, who placed a mouth on humans? <laughs> who makes a person mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Now you would have think that was enough to build Moses up. The Lord gave him encouragement, told him that he was going to be with him. He showed him all these miracles and things, his power. He displayed that. You would have think Moses would have been like, all right, let's go, Lord. I got this. No. <laughs> the text tells us that Moses said, uh, uh, please, Lord, send someone else. He still didn't get it. He said, please, Lord, send someone else. And here's the deal. I think that Moses was operating in fear, a lack of faith, but fear. He said, well, how do you, why do you say that? Because if you look at verse 19 in chapter four, the Lord tells Moses, he says this. Um, now in Midian, the Lord told Moses, return to Egypt for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. Moses was probably afraid to go back because he had killed an Egyptian. He was on the run, so to speak, for 40 years and, and was probably afraid, operating in fear. A lot of times we let our failures, our past, be an impediment to us walking in our calling. Some of us have made some mistakes. Some of us have like, man, messed up real bad. But God could still use you. I look at the Apostle Paul. He actually persecuted Christians. And guess what? God used him tremendously. <laughs> used him tremendously. He almost single-handedly penned the New Testament. Tell me God can't do the same with you. 
I don't care what you've done, where you've been. Don't let that stop you from walking in your calling, embracing your calling and knowing your worth. I think about a dear friend of mine. I'm not going to use his name, but a dear friend of mine struggled with addiction for years. Up and down, up and down, up and down, always having issues in that area. God got a hold of that guy. He got a hold of him in a way you wouldn't believe. And this brother is teaching and preaching the paint off the walls. He's impacting lives on a level that you have no idea. Folk are getting saved. There you, God is using him tremendously. But if he would look at his past, if he would have let that be an impediment in terms of him walking into his future, walking into his calling, Think about how many people would have been missing out on him and his ministry and him pointing the way to Jesus. And it wasn't anything that he did. It was what Christ did through him. Tell me he can't do the same for you and I. Tell me he can't do the same for you and I. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. God can still use you. Doesn't disqualify you. And that shouldn't be uh, where you find your worth. But I guess, and, and you know, sometimes family could be the hardest ones on you, right? They know your past. They know all the mistakes. They saw you growing up. They saw you, my family, look at me and they're amazed. Like, I can't believe that dude is standing in the pulpit. What is wrong with his pastor? <laughs> that dude, do they know this guy saw me? He said, man, I can't believe you, <laughs> the transformation. But God, but God. And I'm thankful for it because I was headed down a road that wasn't good. But I thank God for his grace and his mercy and that I wasn't held hostage to my past. I look at the text. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that you can speak well. I know that he can speak well. And he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. And I will help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you. And you will serve as God to him and take the staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. Does God have to get upset with you? <laughs> At the, do we got to anger God? I don't know what God's call is on your life. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but I know it's something. I know that we all have a specific calling. Are we going to be like Moses? And God's going to have to twist our arm and we're making excuses, excuses, excuses about why we can't do a particular thing because we're looking at it in our power. We need to change our perspective and look at who's operating in us. Amen. I'm going to tell you, um, as I get ready to bring this thing to a close, I'm not going to hold you hostage. <laughs> and if I don't get an amen, I guess I'll start all over again. And I ain't heard an amen. I, I, somebody, I, I heard a mumble. I'll start all over again. 
The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. I'll start all over again. If y'all don't get it, I want to make sure y'all walk out of here with the word. So don't make me start all over. I want you to realize that we have royal blood flowing through our veins. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We got, we, we're heirs with Christ and we need to walk like it. Some of us need to change our walk. Some of us are walking around with our head down and we kind of, you know, just, oh, woe is me. We looking at our flaws and looking at the challenges in our life. We need to walk like royalty. We need to walk. Put your shoulders back. Lift your head up. Walk. Walk with some confidence. Not self-confidence. Walk with God confidence. Who you are in Christ, that should give us a sense of peace. We shouldn't be walking around here all nervous and scared about the economy and, and, and COVID and all these different things. The Lord's got us. We want to operate in wisdom, but we shouldn't be all balled up and bent out of shape about what's happening in the world. Be concerned about what God is doing on the inside of you. Our peace, our confidence comes from him. As Forrest Gump would say, that's all I have to say about that. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your call. Thank you for the fact that we can look at scripture, Lord God, and we can learn from OPE, other people's experience. Lord, help us to learn to embrace our value, to embrace our call. Don't focus on the external. Lord, help us to focus on the internal and what you're doing and who you are the power that we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, be with your saints right now under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would empower them to do just that, that we would let our light shine and we would impact this community, impact our neighborhoods, impact this city, and leave a fingerprint, footprint on this world. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, Amen, amen, amen.